0: This is Berkeley Talks, a Berkeley news podcast that features lectures and conversations that happen at UC Berkeley. Find more talks at news.berkeley.edu slash podcasts. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.
1: Hi there, it's Dacker Keltner. Before we get started today, we have a favor to ask of you. The Science of Happiness is conducting our annual audience survey so we can learn a bit more about you, and we'd really value your feedback. Could you take a few minutes and tell us about yourself and share some things you like about the show? The survey is really important to us. It attracts sponsors, and that helps us keep our podcast running smoothly. And knowing what you think and what you'd like more of helps us create episodes that'll best bring you happiness, and that's why we're here. Please visit surveynerds.com science to take the survey today at surveynerds.com/science
0: thanks i moved to the united states when i was 13 years old to live with an aunt in michigan i spent 2 years here and then went back to mexico and then decided to return in 2003 entre nosotros hay un río y When I moved to the United States and I found inspiration or I found this motivation to write about the things that I was feeling about being away and I think, you know, I was inspired by folk music to create these songs. For me, it's very humbling to know that some of the stories and the messages that I give or that I sing about are resonating with other people whose stories are similar to mine and I began to notice that they became a source of inspiration and of empowerment to them and so I also see it as a responsibility to use my platform. You know, I have a microphone, I have an audience, I have a stage and so for me it's a way to give voice to those who don't have a mean to express it.
1: She spent years writing songs about longing to go home to Juarez, Mexico, and the experiences of undocumented immigrants in the United States. Today's singer and activist, Diana Gameros, joins us as our happiness guinea pig. On each episode, we have a guest try a practice shown to increase happiness, connection, and kindness. Diana is the first to try the same practice both in the United States and in Mexico, where she recently visited for the first time in 16 years. Diana, thanks for joining us on The Science of Happiness.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Much of your music, I was blown away by it. I was lucky enough to grow up with Mexican folk songs in my home, and it seems like you're carrying on that really deep and rich tradition with contemporary lenses on it. Your songs really are about being separated from your family in Mexico.
0: Yeah, And perhaps more than being separated from my family, being separated from my culture altogether and from a country that I very much love and that I Mm -hmm. got to explore as a kid and as a teenager.
1: Your song, Como Hacer, is about the desire to return to Mexico. What inspired you to write this song?
0: Most of my songs, I could say 99% of the songs... You know, I present maybe a conflict or a longing, but then I always resolve it to, we're going to be victorious and everything's going to be okay and life is beautiful and I'm grateful. But in this song, Como Hacer, I allow myself to be vulnerable and to just be with the pain and with the questions. Como hacer que el camina The song is made up entirely of questions, and these questions came up from my need of home and of wisdom and forgiveness. Some of these lines say or translate into how can I make life last? How can I dissolve all borders? How can I make my land forgive me? How can I make her garden flourish again? A dear aunt, my mother's sister, had just passed away from cancer. And because of my immigration status, I wasn't able to go to Mexico and attend the funeral. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't there to fight for my city and console my friends and be with my father and my sister as they experienced direct violence. And so, yeah, I just allowed myself to feel that pain and, and yeah, don't resolve it and hope that the answers would come someday. Music has been really healing for me and therapeutic and certain sounds, certain progressions, and, you know, my voice vibrating and releasing these sounds. And it's all Hmm. helpful and it all helps the process of coping with the pain, staying with the
1: pain, releasing it. Diana, you chose a practice from our site that I hold near and dear to my heart, which is the Awe Walk. And you have the most unusual twist on it, which is you did it both in Mexico City and Northern California. Thanks for doing that. Can you walk us through the steps of the R-Walk? What do you do?
0: So I turned off my phone, and I took a deep breath, you know, to sort of calm down, for one, and then I counted to six as I inhaled, and then six as I exhale, and I had to keep breathing throughout the walk, and being present, and listening to the sounds, and have my senses open. And then as I did that, I had to keep breathing and, and coming back to the breath. And and also I remember being very intentional about feeling my feet on the ground too. Yeah. I think it was really important for me to be so present that I did not forget that I was there. And mm. so connecting with my feet and connecting with my walk and also slowing it down because I think it's really easy for me to walk fast. And so I had to shift my awareness as well to to be open to what was around me.
1: So you chose first to do the art walk in the Zócalo, the central Zócalo, right? In mm-hmm. Mexico City. So what was that like?
0: Ay, ay, ay. Where to begin?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a big square, or Zócalo.
0: It's a big square. But I had to do this walk somewhere, right? <laughs> I guess the Zócalo for me had a lot of symbolism because... Mm-hmm. It was actually at UC Berkeley where I was invited once many years ago when I was still undocumented to perform at the Socalo in front of many, many, many people. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I was pretty devastated to have to say no because mm-hmm. my immigration status didn't allow it. And and the Socalo is a very powerful place. It's a very, yeah. very big and colorful and there's so many sounds and people and and so much history. And so, yeah, I chose to do it there. <laughs> During the awe walk, so many things happened where I was so tempted to, you know, to grab my phone. What I did do is I recorded the audio because I wanted to relive that experience, but I had no access to my camera. Like, I did not want to break this spell.
2: <laughs> I'm kidding.
1: Most people go to the quietest, most solitary place in the world to do their awak, and you you perhaps are in the most lively place socially. As you practice this awe approach of focusing on big and small and quieting the breath and walking peacefully, what popped out at you in terms of sensation?
0: It was amazing to realize that as soon as one turns off the phone Mm. and starts breathing, how Connected you become to the things that you see. So I heard yeah. it all wow. and I saw it all. And I was in the big city square, and in the middle, there was a gigantic flag that was swaying from mm-hmm. a very high pole. And I was surrounded by colonial buildings, the government palace, a cathedral, vendors at a long distance from the square. I saw people walking alone in couples, people having conversations in Spanish. Mm. And then I also heard distant sounds of an organillero. And what is that? So the organillero is a man who plays the, it's like a musical box that Uh makes songs with a sound similar to that of the high sounds of an organ. And it's a very distinct sound that you recognize in Mexico and that you see them all over the touristi- touristic places. And, yeah, in fact, one of the songs that I heard was Cancion Mixteca, which is, you know, the the hymn for the people that are far away from their land. And Cancion Mixteca is the one that says, "Oh, land of the sun, I long to see you.
2: Oh,
1: wow.
0: That square is so Mexican yeah, yeah. that it was difficult to do the you walk in the sense that it was extremely emotional.
1: And what, what arose emotionally for you?
0: Well, for one, I felt, I guess, the, the the most important thing for me, and I actually am here to tell you thank you for, for the opportunity to do this, because I'm not sure that I would have done it in yeah. this way had I not had the invitation to be one of your guinea pigs. And <laughs> the thing that came up to me was that I finally felt present in Mexico. I had been in Mexico for about a month, I believe, and... Somehow, Mm. I could not feel that I was there or I could not believe it. Sixteen years of living in the United States sort of numb me. There's this thing that I believe immigrants have to do when they're away from their homeland, which is sort of block this emotional connection that they have to their land in order for us to cope. And so I think I did that, too. And so you disconnect your senses and your yeah. and your mind from this place that you so much love in order to be able to yeah. thrive. And so coming back to it, you know, at times I felt like maybe I was in the Mexican part of L.A. Yeah. or in the Mission District in San Francisco. I didn't quite feel that I was in Mexico. My family would joke with me like, Do you feel it now, Diana? Do you feel it now? I mean, a month into being in Mexico, in Juarez, they would ask me, like, how are you doing? Are you feeling (laughs) it now? And I didn't until I did this practice. Wow.
1: You know, Diana, as somebody who always looks at statistics and physiology and and we try to capture what awe is, I think there's this bigger idea that you just articulated with poetry, which is awe locates you in a place, right?
0: Mm. One of the beautiful things about doing these practices that You hear what people are saying, you know, you don't want to be nosy, but because you're so aware and you're so present, you hear what people say. And sometimes these sentences are what you need to hear at the moment and they come to you. I mean, the synchronicity of them is so beautiful. Some of the things that I heard were, tú tienes ese don para la mecánica, which means you have a gift for auto mechanics. And I know it may not be (laughs) much, but for me to hear and the enthusiasm yeah. in which this person says it, it, it would bring a smile to my face because I was so present with what I was hearing, right? Another one was a man's voice saying to another person, Quiero darte un poquito de felicidad. Which means, I want to give you a little bit of happiness. Um, and so things like that, you Amazing. know. Yeah. Yeah. It was just so beautiful and Mm. so meaningful. Right after I did the practice, I had to write Mm. something, you know, to be able to finally try to begin to put some of these feelings into words. It was really difficult. I mean, I felt so many things. I could write a whole encyclopedia about it. But I want to read just like a few paragraphs of what I did right after finishing the practice that have to do with my finally feeling and believing that I was in Mexico. I'm finally here. So I wrote, I can feel it now. Estoy aquí. I am here. I am finally here in Mexico. All I had to do was turn them off, my phone, my thoughts, and deeply breathe, deeply feel and listen, really listen and see, truly see. I recognize these voices. They speak my mother tongue. I recognize these colors. I was brought up by them. I recognize that song. It's the one my grandmother used to sing in Torreoncitos, Chihuahua. I recognize myself in this place, in these sounds, on those walls, on those faces, on that flag. Y ahora soy una con ellos, and now I am one with them. It has finally sunk in. I am here in my dear, dear homeland, Mexico. Y me siento inmensamente feliz. And I feel immensely
1: happy. I loved how you phrased it, Diana, which is we can recognize mm. who we are and where we are and the relationship between the two.
0: And I begin. To move my feet and walk Along the path That is new to my eyes That is new to my eyes
1: In my research, we've collected stories of awe from 26 countries around the world to get a better sense of the commonalities in this experience. Some are truly exceptional experiences, like your experience in the Zocalo in Mexico City after being away for 16 years. But we can also find awe in everyday life, in the ordinary. And when you came back from Mexico, you tried the awe walk in Berkeley on your way to the grocery store.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, because... Do you know I I I did realize that the having done it in Mexico was pretty intense and yeah. <laughs> and I guess I also kinda of wanted to prove that yes, that it is possible because I have sort of done it before, you know, not with the same parameters and all that, but I have experienced awe and yeah. like the most ridiculous things. And so I thought, yeah, I'm going to do it on my way to the grocery store. It's a walk that I've done so many times, and so I wanted to to do that experiment. And it was great. It was actually really fun. (laughs) Um, What happened? It almost felt like I was the character in a movie, like in a psychedelic movie maybe, because (laughs) as I began to stay in the breath and breathe deeply and— It's almost like I am walking, but somehow everything becomes slow motion because you're putting so much focus and intention in what you're seeing and in what you're feeling that things magnified, for me at least. And so I would look at plants because it's a residential area, and so there's a lot of plants. You know, it's Berkeley, so a lot of really beautiful and wild plants. And it's almost like the plants became a little bit, Thicker, and at some point it almost felt like they were talking to me. I, I, I promise I was not under the influence of any drug, and you know I didn't hear specific words or anything that would make me really crazy. Yeah. But it, it's almost like they—I felt greeted by them. I mean, they—they yeah. they became so thick and and real and present. And then I also remember seeing buildings and structures that I had mm-hmm. never seen that I thought were really cool. And so what once used to be a really tedious walk and sort of I would just run through it became I didn't want to end you know became a really fun walk and I also realized that I I remember seeing an old lady to and just kind of like I wanted to talk to her and like sort of like Greet her with love. like it, So when I read about <laughs> yeah. how being in a state of awe makes you more empathetic, I agree. Yeah.
2: Because
0: I do feel like connecting to people at a deeper level because I am not exhausted and worried about my own thoughts and the chores. And so I think I do believe that I was more empathetic as yeah. well.
1: Wow. What a description. You know, it's so humbling to hear your deep qualitative impressions of the walk. because in science, what we're finding is just as you're saying, Diana, is like it makes you more open to people. You become more aware of your connectivity to other beings, plants and trees and the like. And I hope someday the science will be able to capture the, the deeper stuff that you were talking about in terms of just being seeing the human face in a different way, as you describe. I wanted to thank you for your extraordinary music and thank you for all that you're doing for immigrants and for everybody else here. Thanks for being on our show.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much for the opportunity and for the space.
1: My own research led me to believe that looking for more daily experiences of awe can have transformative effects. We're learning that these daily experiences of awe can reduce our stress they can benefit our immune system by reducing the inflammation response. And they can also embed our sense of identity in a, a more strongly connected community. And as Diana Gamero showed, it doesn't have to involve a trek to the Himalayas or a trip to the Zokolo. We can find awe in everyday experiences. Paul Piff is an assistant professor of psychological science at UC Irvine. He wanted to study the benefits of awe outside of the lab. The inspiration for Paul's study came while he was walking through a grove of eucalyptus trees right here at UC Berkeley.
2: It's the kind of grove that everyone walks through. You see students biking by and others running and others walking to class, but not many people are looking up. And it just so happens that this grove of eucalyptus trees is actually the tallest and oldest stand of eucalyptus trees in all of North America. And so the question for us was, okay, if we took people into this grove of trees and had them look up, could we make them feel awe? And so that's what we did. We actually ran an experiment where we brought people in and with the flip of a coin decided who it was that was going to spend 60 seconds looking up at these big trees or 60 seconds also looking up but with their backs to the trees looking up at a big building. So after 60 seconds had elapsed, they were approached by the person running the experiment who gave them a questionnaire with stuff to fill out. But in the process of doing that, they kind of ostensibly by accident tripped over themselves and dropped a box of pens on the ground. And what we did was just surreptitiously observe and record how many pens participants knelt down and picked up to help this other person out. So that's our way of kind of quantifying, if you will, kindness. And we measured a few other things on the questionnaire, like entitlement and ethical decision-making. What we found was that participants who spent just 60 seconds of silent, meditative, contemplative focus up at these trees not only filled them with awe, but also caused them to pick up more pens to help this other person out who'd dropped them accidentally. They reported less entitlement, so they felt like they deserved less relative to others. They reported being more likely to do all sorts of ethical things for the collective good. They wanted to be paid less for their participation in this experiment. Awe seems to be one of those experiences that we as a species have evolved to have that attunes us, that shifts our attention away from a focus on me toward a focus on we. And so what I like to think about is what would happen if you just took 60 seconds of every day or five minutes a week to go out and look at something in a way that you've not looked at it before, whether it's shadows on pavement or reflections of light on water, but do something to refocus your attention and look at how complex and puzzling and deeply intricate and beautiful the world is around you and what kinds of sustained more long-lasting shifts even some fleeting experience like that could lead to
1: if you'd like to try the walk or other happiness practices visit our Greater Good in Action website at ggia.berkeley.edu and then email us at greater at berkeley.edu and tell us how it went. I'm Dacher Keltner. Thanks for joining me on the Science of Happiness. Our podcast is a co-production of UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center and PRI PRX. With production assistance from Jenny Cataldo and Ben Manila of BMP Audio, our producer is Shuka Kalantari, our executive producer is Jane Park, our editor-in-chief is Jason Marsh, Special thanks goes to UC Berkeley's Graduate School of Journalism. Join us for a live recording of an episode of the Science of Happiness and hear from Jack Kornfield and me and lots of other speakers at our first ever three-day Science of Happiness event held in Northern California near Santa Cruz. Learn more at ggsc.berkeley.edu.